But baby, it's cold outside. But baby, it's cold Hey there. This is Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week... I'm showing Scott an actually good Christmas movie. Yay! Oh. What movie did we watch today? We watched When Harry Met Sally. Released in 1989. And it is really good. <laughs> it is widely considered, arguably, to be the best rom-com of all time. I'd say it's definitely up there. I told Scotty that perhaps when watching this movie, he would get some nostalgic type feels from it, seeing as how it's a movie about two people who started off as friends and then years later over the course of their friendship, relationship, acquaintanceship, it eventually turns into love that uh, lasts a lifetime. It does in a way, yes. But I think it also is about finding the right person at the right time. Indeed. Yeah, it's a movie that's really easy to watch. It's, the pacing is super good. Uh, it is so iconic, in fact, that it was entered into the National Film Registry last year. One thing that we've talked about on this show in regards to romantic films whether they be romantic comedies or dramas or whatever it is heavily if not completely reliant on the fact that the two leads have chemistry together and meg ryan and billy crystal are definitely two people that have a a great deal of chemistry in this movie oh yeah a hundred percent the two of them really feel real here you could obviously be like yeah these two belong together yeah Throughout the film, there was supposedly a lot of improvisation, a lot of uh, collaboration, like things and ideas off the cuff that eventually got into the movie, and it gave it a foundation of realism. Well, that's the thing, though. When you have a comedian of Billy Crystal's ilk, it's hard to be funnier than that man is on paper. That man is naturally funny. Like, same thing if you were writing jokes for Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock. Those guys are legit funny. Like, you can't outwit them. And aside from our two main leads in front of the camera, there are also some great minds behind the camera. The film was directed by Rob Reiner, who is behind some iconic films. Stand By Me, Few Good Men, This Is Spinal Tap. When Harry Met Sally was actually right in between Princess Bride, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and Misery which I didn't know that Rob Reiner directed Misery. I didn't know that either. But uh, yeah, he did. I got to show Scott that movie too eventually. (laughs) But the the screenplay, which was nominated for an Oscar, ended up losing to Dead Poets Society, another movie that we reviewed on this show. Huh? 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 The screenplay was written by Nora Ephron, who is quite the rom-com extraordinaire. Uh, She wrote and directed Sleepless in Seattle, as well as You Got Mail, both of which are staples of the Meg Ryan rom-com pantheon. That's the thing, too, is like Meg Ryan in the 90s was very known for the rom-com shtick. She was kind of the queen of that. 
for a really long time and this movie is the one that really kicked it off and it makes sense because it just completely blew up it made 93 million dollars of a 16 million dollar budget which for a rom-com even in the late 80s early 90s is like crazy meg ryan really kind of excelled in this genre and this might be my favorite of her heyday yeah i think so too there's a few of them i think that are with tom hanks i know she has obviously sleepless and you've got mail but there's also one that i want to show scott as well called um joe versus the volcano which is kind of like an offbeat one that no one really talks about but it's it's i actually really like that one too but i feel like despite the fact that tom hanks is tom hanks and everybody loves tom hanks you know i think her chemistry with billy crystal is like through the roof like i think it's even better than the chemistry she has with tom hanks in any of those movies well not only that i think this might be one of my favorite rom-coms now that we've watched it but i want to compare this to like nodding hill where the romance takes place over a period of time yeah true nodding hill is another really good one that we did a review on but yeah i i liked that a i lot. think that just adds to it like Okay, yeah, it's fun to have the whirlwind romance. Right. And like, oh, they get they, they fall in love in three, four days, and it's like, oh, that's great. But when it feels more real and more sustainable, yeah, this technically takes place over twelve years. Notting Hill takes place over like two. It feels more real, and like you can understand the character more. We believe that Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan's characters are actually going to last right and in the original draft i think like the first one um harry and sally actually didn't end up together which is crazy i don't think it was until later that rob reiner and Nora efron because they also were executive producers on the movie so this was very near and dear to their hearts and uh they made the decision to like make them come together in the end which i think was obviously the, the right call <laughs> Oh, of course it was the right call. Because it, it led to, like, one of the most iconic love confession scenes in a movie at the end of When Harry Met Sally. Like, I feel like that scene, the end scene, and I'll Have What She's Having, is the two things in this movie that everyone remembers, because it was also the only thing that you knew of going into this movie. Oh, yeah. It, the Two of the biggest lines in all of, like, movie history. I also, before we get into this, I just want to mention the the score and kind of the soundtrack of this movie because it really kind of adds to the cozy, warm and fuzzy, cuddle up in bed on a winter's night to watch this movie kind of vibe. There's a lot of jazz standards from none other than Harry Connick Jr. before I think he was like a big name because he ended up winning his first Grammy ever for this movie for best jazz male vocal performance it had to be you it had to be you i wandered around and finally found the somebody who but yeah it's just like a very cozy soundtrack you know you say tomato i say tomato you, you say, say potato i say potato let's call the whole thing off that kind of stuff but then you also have some christmas music when it gets to christmas time and new year's and stuff and uh like i said it's just a super easy movie to watch like you could put it on in the background 
and just like do other things and then halfway through the movie you find yourself glued to the screen like you don't mean to necessarily but you just are i don't know i'm ready to get into the nitty-gritty of this what do you think scott you know what let's just call the whole thing off no (laughs) we have to do a show scott this is what we do so we start off the movie with this framing device that we sort of had set up because like we said the movie takes place over a span of like 12 years so to sort of signify when time is passing the movie will cut to this film like documentary style situation where you have different couples that are sitting on this couch telling the story of how they first met and fun fact these segments of married couples telling their stories uh, are actually based on real stories that Rob Reiner collected for the purpose of this movie, but then they he had actors relay those stories in kind of a funny way that translate well to film. So it, it was a cute little way to break up the different time periods. Yeah, uh, at some points, though, it did feel distracting. Well, I feel like it served a purpose, and then at the end, it kind of had like the final punchline of it yeah being the oh now harry and sally are together and they're in the documentary oh i see got it cool so it 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 definitely i can understand if people are like eh, it's really not necessary and like eh. but i do think that it's it definitely has a purpose and it works out fine so we start our movie movie in the year 1977 and harry and sally both meet each other for the first time they're graduating from college and Harry is actually dating Sally's friend Amanda at the time. And their plan is for Harry and Sally to ride share to New York because they're both moving to New York. Sally's going to journalism school and Harry has some job doing things. Well, this is important. <laughs> in <This> New York. <laughs> well, this is important. This is when Harry met, met Sally. Sally. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So, uh,. Harry and Sally are in the car, bickering already like a little married couple. And, uh, you know, a lot of this movie is predicated, at least the dialogue, on bits instigated by Billy Crystal. But hey, what were you expecting? You know? It's Billy Crystal. (laughs) It's very odd couple-y to start out. Oh, yeah. Very odd couple-y. She sees him as like this slob fucking weirdo that's dating her friend. And he sees her as like this uptight, frigid. He sees her as this uptight, frigid person, but he's also dating her friend. He's not trying really to impress her because he doesn't really have to. He's already got a girlfriend at the time. Right. But he, he does go out of his way to tell Sally that she's attractive. Well, he does tell her that. He's sort of testing the waters a little bit. I I think it's, it's just funny because he does go, Amanda never said you were attractive. Like, and she's just like, well, I don't think Amanda finds me attractive. That's probably why. But we're just kind of introducing ourselves to these characters at this point. So Billy Crystal's being Billy Crystal, doing funny bits, kind of busting Sally's balls. And Sally, she's the neurotic one, right? Like, we all, <laughs> we've all been there. We've seen rom-coms where, you know, we have the, the slob and the neurotic one. And Sally happens to be the neurotic one for this movie. So she's ordering food and it takes her about 100 years to order food from this diner because she's very, very particular. It's so funny because the waitress, as she's ordering all these things on the side and like, and she's looking at her like, lady, this is a side of the road yeah, diner. Yeah, it's like a roadhouse. Like, calm down, sweetheart. At first, they walk into the diner. I'm like, is this happening already? 
oh right because you knew of the i'll have what she's having seen and you knew it took place in a diner in actuality it takes place in new york at cat's deli so i knew it didn't come yet so i was like oh wait what is this and then yeah it's kind of a setup for later so yeah we are uh in the last leg i would say of their drive they're talking and uh, Harry throws out there the premise or the thesis of the movie that men and women can't be friends because sex always gets in the way. And even if you don't have sex with your guy friends, ladies, they're thinking about having sex with you. So don't worry. Let's talk about sex, baby. Oh, no. So they, they arrive in New York. They say, you know, very quick goodbyes, never really intending to see each other again because they they just don't get along, those crazy kids. They're just from two different worlds. They should stick to the status quo and be in their own <laughs> in their own lanes. I love how I bring up salt and pepper. Okay. Well, and you bring up fucking high school music. I can do again. what the fuck I want. So five years later. <laughs> Harry and Sally meet again at the airport of all places. Yes. Sally's there with her boyfriend, Joe. And Harry is getting on the flight. Yes. And he happens to be kind of acquaintances with Joe. So he runs into them and it's clear that he recognizes her, but doesn't say anything. And then plays it off like, oh, yeah. Did we ever, uh... And she's like, no. Uh, so they, they talk briefly on the plane and uh, she tells him that, yeah, she went to school and became a journalist and works in New York and she's been with Joe for a little bit, but they clearly are very into each other because they're already saying I love you to each other. And uh, well, he says, I love you. Sorry. Yes, Joe says, I love you. And, and she doesn't say it back. And it's clearly the first time he said it. Yeah. 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 Because she's like, did you just say that? Yeah. It was a big deal. And then Harry, despite the fact that he still talks like a very loosey-goosey ladies man that has lots of random sex, he tells Sally that he's getting married to a lady named Helen. Fuck Helen. Because he's sick of the single life and wants to be a married man now. So when they get off the plane, Harry's like, hey, you know, we're both in relationships. Why don't we try just like being buds? Like we don't have to worry about sex getting in the way now because we're both in committed relationships it's fine let's go out to dinner and sally's like <laughs> no well, he's like well technically then you have your partner who's gonna ask like oh why are you friends with a girl and then that becomes a whole thing with them and then uh, well, you're not finding in the relationship with me and uh. which okay just as an aside if that's a thing that anyone out there is experiencing in real life break up with that person you can have whatever friends you want of whichever gender you prefer it really doesn't matter <laughs> I have a lot of male friends. Scott has female friends. It's okay. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. Let's just call the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So five years later in 1987, Harry and Sally run into each other again in a bookstore. Before that, we get some information about where Harry and Sally are now in their lives. So first we get our our update with Sally and she is sitting chatting with her BFF Marie played by Carrie Fisher the legend this movie came out the same year as the burbs weirdly enough which is a movie that we talked about I think back in the dark ages of shoot the flick yes. uh, it's kind of a, a little talked about comedy with uh, her and Tom Hanks 
and uh she like kills the best friend role in this movie it kind of bums me out that she never really had outside of star wars she never really had sort of a leading role in just like a normal movie and we find out that sally has recently split up with joe over the five years or so in their relationship they were kind of just chilling like they weren't really super committed to each other they were living together but they weren't talking about marriage or anything and then one day meg ryan decides she wants something more and she tells joe about it and he's like i don't want that and they split up and throughout the majority of the rest of the film sally is sort of at peace with that or at least she proclaims she be she's very good at compartmentalizing sure Meanwhile, with Harry, <clears throat> we also meet his best friend, Jess, played by Bruno Kirby, who's a character actor. He's been in quite a few movies, City Slickers, Spinal Tap, Godfather 2. He's been in a bunch of things. They have a good scene together where they're at a baseball game. Football. Football. Sorry, sport thing. I just kind of turn my brain off when I see sports things. I don't really. So they're all the same to me. So they're at a game <laughs> where there's a ball and guys in a uniform and they're running around and the most perfect wave happens yes there <laughs> harry is relaying this story about how his wife is cheating on him and they're having a divorce and blah 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 and it's really very sad and really kind of a harsh sad story and amidst that the crowd is doing a wave and harry and jess are both joining in on the wave while they're doing this sad story it's really quite funny so um, later on, Harry and Sally happen to run into each other in this bookstore and they talk and they go have coffee together. And after this conversation, Harry and Sally decide that they are going to try and be friends. And um, this leads to a good chunk of the movie where they're just developing their friendship. And it's really very quite nice. Well, yeah, it, it's always interesting because you have this dynamic where they have similar interests and they like each other for the things they do, but they are different. Yes. Like, Harry is very much first thought out of mouth. Nothing sits with Harry. Harry just says what's on his mind. Yes. And she's a bit more methodical, I guess, and logical. And and will think things out logically. Because there's a whole thing with Casablanca through the movie... Yeah, well, because in the beginning part of the movie where they're driving to New York from college, they're talking about Casablanca and they're discussing who Ingrid Bergman should go with at the end, Humphrey Bogart or the other guy. Uh, Victor Laszlo. Right, whatever. And I haven't seen Casablanca in a long time. But like in the beginning of the movie, Meg Ryan says, oh... Ingrid Bergman made the right decision to go with the Laszlo guy because yeah. uh, he's like a statesman or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like he's the right choice, hum- quote unquote, Bogart, right choice. Yes. And Humphrey Bogart's just a bar. Just just a slob that runs a bar. And I'm like, bitch, what are you saying? And then years later, when they're buddies now, you know, what is this? Like 10 years later at this point, they're watching the movie over the phone together because they have like the little twirly cord phones beside their bed in their separate apartments. And they're watching the end scene of Casablanca. And he's like, can you believe you thought that Inger Bergman should go with the other guy? And Sally's like, what are you talking about? I would never say that. So you just see like how it's the same person, but their viewpoints have changed because of the experiences they've had in life. I feel like this movie does a great job in like a subtle way of showing how 
Harry and Sally bring out the best in each other and they kind of, you know, balance each other out in a way. Sally helps Harry humble himself in a way because he's able to sort of talk things out with her. And I feel like Harry is able to bring out like a more fun, carefree side of her. Which brings us to the scene in Cat's Deli, which everybody knows about. I'll have what she's having. So before we get to like the obvious discussion of the details of what happens, we all know what happens in this fucking scene. If you think back to the beginning, back in 1977 when they're driving and they're at the diner and just talking about sex in a public place gets Sally all like uncomfortable and self-conscious, you know, but then you cut forward to 10 years and they're in cat's deli <laughs> and <laughs> they're it's crowded as fuck because it's cat's fucking deli okay and they're sitting there eating their fucking sandwiches and they're talking about how harry is fucking every woman that moves because that's his way of dealing with his divorce he just goes out and fucks a lot of people which is fine do you boo boo so they're talking about it and Sally's just like, well, how do you know, like, they even like it? Like, and he's like, what do you mean? You know, and, he's, and she's like, but how do you know they're not faking it? And he's like, I would know if they were faking it. And <laughs> they have this conversation. And then the next logical move, obviously, is for Sally <laughs> to start faking an orgasm in the middle of this restaurant. Because that's a thing that normal people do. Oh, yes. Yes! Yes! Oh! Yes! 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 Oh! 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 Oh, God. Like, you're not laughing necessarily because it's funny. Oh, it's hysterical, though. Bill Cr- Billy Crystal's reactions are really funny. But just watching Meg Ryan fake an orgasm in the middle of a public restaurant, it's just so cringy and uncomfortable that you can't help but laugh. But the way it ends, where she's, like, coming down Right, and then she just snaps out of it and, and eats her sandwich. Oh, my God. I'm it's like, so this bitch, she, I mean, she's dead. Right. But, like, the funny thing, though, Billy Crystal's just sitting there. Like, I would have got up and walked the fuck away at this point. But it also just shows, like, Meg Ryan's character has become a lot more confident and kind of, like, free with herself, which is good. So it's just funny. And then, of course, the famous line said by uh none other than estelle reiner who is rob reiner's mother after seeing that whole show turns to the waiter and is like i'll have what she's having but i'm and it's like perfect end to the scene and what's hilarious too is like just because we've lived we lived in new york for pretty much all our lives until like a couple years ago so it's just so obvious, like, everyone around them would just turn around like they did in this movie, just, like, staring weirdly. Like, oh, it's another day in New York. Some fucking psycho is faking an orgasm in the middle of the restaurant. Well, what would happen is exactly what happens. Everybody would turn, look, be like, oh, okay. fuck, and then they'd go back to their fucking meal. Right. <laughs> like, I'm here on lunch. I don't fucking give a shit right now. But they basically have a montage of their growing friendship. But what I want to talk about here is Billy Crystal's fucking apartment. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> fucking 80s fucking New York, man. God damn it. This might be, of all the movies we've ever watched, I mean all of them, there's only one other apartment I can really think of that I'd be like, you know what? That might equal how 
amazing this apartment is. And that's the one from fucking Who Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, because that had like two floors and, that and was like a balcony. <laughs> yeah. The, these two apartments are fucking unbelievable. Yeah, this is like a studio apartment that Billy Crystal has. But also he had it with his wife. It's the apartment he had with his wife. But he's got like the view of the city. Yeah, if you watch this, especially if you're living in New York right now and you watch this movie, you're like, fuck you, Billy Crystal. What, like, you, It's one of those things where you're like, what does Billy Crystal really do for a living? It's like when you think of like, what does the Home Alone dad do yeah. for a living? Well, they said at one point he's a political consultant, but they never show him doing like work or anything. So who fucking knows? No, but... he has all the time in the world to go walking in the park with yeah. Sally. Well, it's like with Sally. Like at one point, I think it was when they were on the plane together. Uh, Harry turns to Sally and he's like, so what do you do? Did you end up going to journalism school? And she's like, yes, yes, I'm a journalist now. I work for the news. I'm like, the news. I work for the news. <laughs> like, there's only one news. <laughs> okay, sweetie. But then we get to Christmas time. Yay, Christmas in New York. It's wintry and cold and snowy and all that good stuff. And I thought it was really cute how they had Harry and Sally go to a tree lot and get a tree together and, like, carry it. It was so cute. But again, this is a setup for late Nora Ephron is really good at this. And I, I give her all the goddamn credit in the world. The setups to the punchlines later, she does it masterfully. A lot of her movies, especially a lot of the romantic movies that she's done, have now lasted decades. Yeah, I mean, people still know about them, you're right. Like, th- that's the point where you want to be as a director, and that's like, when you have this vision, and you're like, no, my vision makes this work, and she has now proven it, that her vision makes the movie last. And we watch this again in 2023. And it still fucking holds up. Yeah. But don't watch You Got Mail. Don't watch You Got Mail. The whole premise of that is like AOL messaging, if I'm not mistaken. And like, You Got Mail. That's the whole... It's like, oh my god. I, I, I haven't seen that movie in like forever. But I would imagine it's incredibly dated now. Considering well, all that technology is dead. <laughs> at least Sleepless in Seattle is kind of just based off a radio show. Yeah, Sleepless in Seattle, we actually saw that, what, like a few years ago to drive-in yeah. for like Valentine's Day mm-hmm. because it was, there was a thing, there was a drive-in thing for Sleepless in Seattle, like, fine, why not? So we went and, you know, it's it's a fine movie. I don't think it's anything like remarkable, to be honest. But, like, it's definitely cute, and it's definitely helped by the chemistry. I think chemistry in a rom-com goes a long way, even if the script is like, eh. I wouldn't say that one's dated, really. I would just say it's kind of, like, run-of-the-mill. It's definitely not as dated as fucking AIM. Yeah, the, the You Got Mail one is... That's crazy, man. Do you remember... I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll research it, and if I'm wrong, I'll cut it, but... I'm pretty sure the premise of that movie is Meg Ryan owns a bookstore and like Tom Hanks, I don't remember what he does, but he's trying to like fuck up the bookstore in some way, maybe like buy it out for something or whatever. And like they're like enemies, but in reality they're chatting online with each other and they don't realize that it's like enemies to lovers but with a catfishing twist before we knew what catfishing was you know what I mean it's something like that and then you know they magically love each other at the end I think Tom Hanks has a dog in it 
and that's the movie. And uh, his name is Hooch. What? What? No. Oh no, that's another movie. Uh, you know what? Speaking of Tom Hanks, let's just because <laughs> you know what, we're kind of at the point in the movie right before Harry and Sally start to catch feelings. Yeah. Because you know that's ma- that's that's what happens when men and women are friends, right, Scott? Yeah, we catch they catch right, feelings. Scott? Yeah, we were best friends. That's true. We were friends in in middle school, and then you know we just caught feelings, and now we can't fucking get rid of each other. That's true. So before we get into like the the romantic aspect of the romantic comedy yes. here, why don't we do one of our favorite segments from this little podcast that we like to do? Why don't we look at all of the cast could have been? You like potato, and I like potato. You like tomato, and I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call We got Harry and Sally here. Yes. Our, our, our main squeezes. Now, like I said, rom-coms rely on what, Scott? Chemistry. Chemistry. So... Let's look at uh, some other folks that were considered or offered the roles of either Harry or Sally. Okay. And like, let's let's just chop it up here. So for Harry, seeing as how he comes first in the credits, I guess in the title, yeah, we have of course, like we just mentioned, Tom Hanks. Again, would have been a great choice. Who at the time was doing Turner and Hooch, which ah. is what made me think of that. Which, by the way, yes, I had never seen Turner and Hooch maybe until like maybe a couple years ago. Oh yeah, it's- and like it's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, but like, well, I don't want to spoil it. It's fucking thirty plus years old though. The dog fucking dies. <laughs> the dog gets fucking shot. <laughs> and like I. Can- <laughs> I wasn't expecting that when I watched the movie. I really wasn't. Like, you know, when fucking when the golden retriever and Homeward Bound falls in the ditch, you don't actually think he's gonna die in the ditch. You know he's gonna get out of the ditch and have like, you know, a lovely happy moment with the family. You know what I mean? Yes. When the dog got shot, <laughs> I assumed that he was gonna be okay. But he wasn't. No, he was not. I don't know. I'm sorry. We got on a fucking railroad track to nowhere there. Um, other actors that were considered for Harry. Remember that's yeah, so what we were actually talking oh, about. Yeah. We got Michael Keaton. Yep. Makes sense. Who obviously was doing Batman at that time. Yes. Richard Dreyfuss, who we talked about during Jaws, of course. Yeah. I don't know if I would have liked Richard Dreyfuss in this. I don't think I would have either. I don't know if I would have liked Michael Keaton in this. Michael Keaton could pull this off. But he could pull off the comedy, but I think you'd I, have to find the right person. Well, that's true. I think he had already moved on from this type of role at this point, though. Like, he was trying to be more serious. But other actors that were considered, Bill Murray, who was Again, doing Ghostbusters 2 at that sense. time. Jeff Bridges. And uh, <laughs> what's really funny also, considering the fact that, you know, Carrie Fisher's in this, Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford was also considered. Yeah. He was also doing Last Crusade at this time. If we are in the 80s, Harrison Ford is getting a consideration. Yeah. It just worked out very interestingly. I feel like Billy Crystal is... Obviously, he's just like perfect for this. I feel like I can't picture anyone else in this role. Well, Billy Crystal also has the thing where, like, he's he's sure. good looking, but yeah. he's not Harrison Ford. I good think looking. he's cute. Yeah, sure. But I I think I would say the thing same thing about Meg Ryan. I mean, she's not like a supermodel. She's very beautiful, but she's not she's not conventionally pretty, quote unquote. I think she's more pretty than 
Sure. Well, let's put it this way. I saw some review on Letterboxd, I think, that said like, oh, this movie is great because it actually convinces me that Meg Ryan would be with someone that looks like Billy Crystal. Fuck you. Okay. Like they have great fucking chemistry together. They do. Because a lot of romantic movies will sometimes do something like that where they'll put <clears throat> Adam Sandler, they'll put a schlubby guy with a really hot chick that it just seems completely unbalanced and it's like hmm now we should call this the pete davidson effect pete davidson isn't good looking but he's funny and that's what wins okay you know i get what you're saying pete davidson is not conventionally good looking either but yet he manages to bag like ariana grande and kim k i got you yeah exactly because he's funny everyone loves a funny man and billy crystal is funny billy crystal is very funny so Moving on to Sally. Yes. Interestingly enough, Rob Reiner had a first choice for this role that was not Meg Ryan. Okay. It was a woman that I've never heard of before I did this research. Her name is Susan Day. And apparently she's one of the Partridge Family kids from the show in the 70s. She would play Lori in the Partridge Family. Oh, okay. That was Reiner's first choice, and she turned it down. Well, she's an idiot. Well, you don't have to say it so rudely. Well, I can say it because... But you don't know if she had been in the movie. You don't know if it would have been a success like it, it was. It so. may have not been. But you know what? When you don't know who she is and then your first instinct is to pull the Partridge family. Well, that's what she's known for, Scott. That means her career went nowhere. All right. Well, you don't have to be so rude about it. She probably had a very good reason for turning down the film. Stupidity? You're very, very sassy tonight. Yeah, you don't know. It's okay. She could have been going on the road with the Partridge family. You don't know. <laughs> Also, there was another person who is a little more well-known okay. that turned down the role, a Miss Molly Ringwald. Okay. I would imagine at that point in her career, she was probably at a crossroads and didn't really know what to do. She didn't want to do something that was seen as more wholesome like this, maybe? Maybe. She's also... I feel think she still looks a little young. I, I think Meg Ryan pulls off being younger and being... Older at she the same pull, time. She pulls off perfectly the feeling of being 32, which is like, I'm almost 40, but I'm not 20 something anymore. I understand. I understand, Meg. I got you. I'm going to be 40. What? In eight <laughs> years. She's like, but it's there. Oh my. Oh, honey. I know. I know. It's going to be okay. Uh, last but not least, there was another actress considered also from the movie Big. Elizabeth Perkins, the ah. love interest from that movie, was considered. So, uh, you know, we got a big happy family here of Rob Reiner, Regs, and yeah. people in that circle. But I really do think that it was kind of lightning in a bottle in a sense. Like, these two people came together and had this specific kind of chemistry and kind of made it work. And yeah, if you tried to picture anyone else in these roles, it wouldn't have worked the same. So Indeed. we got Turner and Hooch, <laughs> and we got... Batman 89 and we got When Harry Met Sally all in the same year and everything is fine. Everything is. <laughs> Except for the dog. Was it Hooch? Hooch. Yes. Hooch is not fine. Hooch was shot. <laughs> well, even Hooch got himself shot. But other than that, well, everything is fine. <laughs> even the real Hooch is probably long gone. Well, probably. It's 30 something years later. Yes, he's dead. Sorry, Hooch. Rest in peace. But he did. Now, (laughs) 
moving on from that casting talk. And now we have the New Year's party. Indeed. Where cute little Harry and Sally are dancing together cheek to cheek. And all of a sudden, the camera kind of holds on them, on their faces, not looking at each other, but just kind of in their own minds for a second. And you can tell that they're catching some feelings. Indeed. And it's cute as fuck. And you're like, oh, they're going to get it. Yay. They're going to get And then, of course, you know, the countdown starts and goes to midnight and everybody's kissing. And Harry and Sally share like an awkward little peck and a hug. And it's like, oh, we could have had it. We almost had it. I do want to bring up like there's some great little bits here. Just side bits with Bruno Kirby and stuff where like he's talking to Billy Crystal in a batting cage. Oh, God. Yeah. You got to talk about that scene. You made a woman meow. (laughs) What do you mean? You made a woman meow? Because the whole conversation originally was about how like, wait, what do you mean you're friends with a woman? A woman? What do you mean? You don't you don't want to have sex with her? What? But yeah, Jess is just stuck on this meow. Like, you made a woman meow? So we're in the new year now. It's 1988 or 89. I don't know. What, who fucking cares anymore what year we're in? We're in the new year, baby. Oh, yeah. And Harry and Sally start the new year off by trying to set the other one up with their friends. Sally tries to set Harry up with Marie, and Harry tries to set Jess up with Sally. And it goes not the way they wanted it to. Wah, wah, wah. Nope. They end up setting up Jess and Marie. Yeah. Marie and Jess kind of fall for each other immediately. They, you know, go off together in a cab, and they quickly, like, I think four months later, end up moving in together in an apartment get married yes they do eventually get married they have this scene harry and sally they go out shopping to get jess and marie a housewarming gift and they're looking at this karaoke machine in the store it's like it's such a cute scene because they have this karaoke machine and for some reason it's playing a song from oklahoma of all things so they're singing full out just a song from oklahoma in the middle of the store and then harry looks over and sees his ex-wife Helen with her Helen. new boyfriend. Yeah, it's icky. So they have this like awkward encounter, and then they go to Jess and Marie's new place, and Jess and Marie are fighting over this ugly ass coffee table, and Harry just kind of flips out. He's like, "Wait, you know, you you think you guys are happy right now, but then then you're gonna be fighting all the time about random and then he just kind of freaks out, and then he leaves, and Sally goes after him, and then they start fighting. I like their fight here. Not just because Harry, of course, immediately apologizes when it's over and, like, gives her, like, the sweetest hug. Like, I'm so sorry. But also because, like, they're arguing basically about the same thing. Like, Harry's telling Sally, you know, oh, you think you're so over Joe. I never see you get upset about it. Like, don't you feel anything about it? You haven't even had sex with anybody since you guys broke up. And Sally's like, so what? I have to have sex with somebody to, like, get get over it? You've been having sex with everybody, every fucking available woman in New York. And you're not over your wife. So what the fuck? What does that mean? So they're clearly in a very similar place in their lives. Well, that and also, again, this is the, the budding of two opposites. Again, right. She has compartmentalized everything to not think about Joe. And again, Harry doesn't think before he speaks. He just feels and speaks. Mm-hmm. Well, sometime after this, we get kind of this pivotal moment. And this is where I kind of want to talk about 
Sally's feelings towards Joe because she calls Harry and she's very upset and she wants him to come over because she found out that Joe's getting married. And she basically says like, because Harry asks her, if you could get back with Joe right now, would you? And she's like, no, but I thought we broke up because he just didn't want to get married. But I think now it turns out he just didn't want to marry me. And she's kind of freaking out about like, what's wrong with her? (gasps) What's the matter with me? Nothing. I'm difficult. You're challenging. (laughs) I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. I felt watching it, like I understood what she was saying. Like, sure, I'm sure she's grieving the relationship with Joe and just being in a relationship and having that sense of security. Because even Carrie Fisher says earlier in the movie when Sally first tells her about the breakup, she's like, oh, you guys are so perfect for each other. You you had a built-in date for holidays it's like yeah like that's kind of like the surface level shit and harry's just being a sweetheart like there's nothing wrong with you you know you're you're the best sweetie you're doing great (laughs) but then they have this moment where they're cuddled up together they're hugging and suddenly it turns into more passionate kisses and it's like a really sweet scene where they're like they're comfort he's comforting her and then they start making out and then wouldn't you know it they had sex oh whoopsie and then harry freaks the fuck out yeah there's a great moment there where she is just like blissfully happy after they make love and then you look over at harry and his eyes are like bugging out and he's just he's just freaking out well because i think harry he's like oh shit i really care about her and i fucked it up (laughs) I really care about her. I fucked it up and I'm going to lose my friend. Yeah. And it, they have like this really funny scene. It's like it comes off very much like a stage play where like in the center stage you have Jess and Marie sleeping in their bed and they both have phones on either side of them like on their dressers and then at the same time Sally and Harry call their friends and they're talking on the phone at the same time and it's just like the dialogue and the way it's blocked out it's it looks like it could come right out of a stage play but basically the the vibe has changed they go to dinner later on that night to try to like smooth it over and they're both like, oh, it was a mistake. It's fine. Like, whatever. And then three weeks later, at Jess and Marie's wedding, they have this huge fight. And Harry... Sucks. Harry can't... He's bad at making amends. <laughs> but the thing is, though, yes, he, he fucks up 100%. But there is something he says here that I, I think is very interesting. Throughout the movie... He has always said, you know, it's sex. Sex gets in the way. Sex. Sex. Uh-huh. He says making love here. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 clearly says making love. Right. He doesn't say we had sex. Right. He says we made love. And I think because Meg Ryan is in such a way that she's just reacting to Harry's words because Harry is, again does not think what he says through he just says it yeah because he at one point he says to her like oh you know you you had such big puppy dog eyes and you were crying what was i supposed to do just leave and she's like oh so you fucked me out of pity and then she smacks him across the face i'm like good for you bitch that he deserved that he did again he's like no no smack 
Meg Ryan says at one point, she's like, are we supposed to just pretend it didn't mean anything? And he's like, no, it meant something. But I don't think either one of them want to like be vulnerable enough to admit that it meant a lot. They're both scared. They yeah. Because they don't want to like lose each other completely and they don't want to get hurt. And... Yeah. It, it's a tough place to be. Yeah. So they have this huge fight and now we've hit Christmas time again. So a whole other year has passed like throughout this whole time. And now we're at Christmas time again. And Meg Ryan's getting a Christmas tree all I by her lonesome. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> Harry is calling her nonstop. Oh, my God. The days of just voicemail machines like you know playing while like just outwardly in your house like at one point he's so desperate to hear from her he has like the karaoke machine in his house for some reason he's singing to her on the answering machine like call me don't be afraid to just call me no the best one is either a you're not there b you're there but don't want to talk to me or c you desperately want to talk to me but are stuck under something very heavy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that made me laugh it's just like it's cutesy it's funny yeah and it's like sweet because you you see not only him just being like just a cute dopey dude just trying to like get his girl back but also you see her just kind of fighting herself on whether or not she wants to open herself up to that it's it's very typical rom-com stuff but because you have that built-up connection and that foundation that's been built up from you know the movie years, yeah just years of this relationship that you've seen you immediately connect with it and you just root for them even more so sally finally answers the phone and he tries to apologize but she's not really having it she's really hurt and she says i'm not going to be your consolation prize harry and hangs up the phone and that's it we can't be friends anymore and that's the thing i think that's Unfit. I don't think he's ever made it seem like she was his consolation prize. Well, I, I think he he fucks everything that moves, and then now all of a sudden, after having sex with her, a pity sex. Uh, now I, he wants it was again. Her, it, I know it wasn't actually pity sex, but he said that to her, so she feels vulnerable and exposed. Again, it, and it, now she, this guy who's had a lot of sexual history now wants her and it's like eh, why because you can't find somebody else now you want to come to me okay like no she knows who harry is i know and but I, I, harry is not she thinks she knows but she could be wrong in her mind you know she's scared i think she's again she is scared but i don't think harry has ever shown anything to where she would be the consolation prize but again it's nitpicking a line of I, I understand where she's coming from. But I am a woman. And you are a man. And we can't be friends. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not, no friendship here. Just strictly business. <laughs> now- <laughs> yes, we have a suitcase next to us. With yes. important papers. <laughs> so it's New Year's. Yes, it is the New Year's party. After Harry unsuccessfully tried to get Sally to go with him, he was like, well, I'm just going to stay home and watch the Dick Clark's New Year's Eve show. It'd be sad. And never mind. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go. I'm going to go walk around the city and eat ice cream in like probably like 30 degree weather. It's New York. I'm trying to be generous. (laughs) I, I need an ice cream cone. Yeah, that's bizarre. 
But anyway, so uh, Sally's at the party and she's having a pretty abysmal time you know it's like not it's not clicking for her nope so she's like i'm gonna go home and carrie fisher and her hubby are like no don't leave and she's like no i'm getting the fuck out of here because this is really depressing but (laughs) and then uh, but harry gets to a point where he's walking and he gets to the point in new york city where it had to be you starts playing over the thing yes but he he gets to the point where they first Got to New York together. Yeah, where he, where she dropped him off when they were at college and drove to New York. Yeah. And he flashes back to the 12 years. Yeah, they have a little cute montage. Oh, it's so cute. And, and then it, he realizes it. They have that typical rom-com moment where the light bulb goes off. <gasps> I love this woman. I must run through the streets of New York City to find her. There is one point, though. He runs by a guy, an extra who I think is wearing the exact same outfit he's wearing. Oh, really? And I laughed because I, I saw it the first time. Well, like guys in New York, they all wear the same shit. I guess it's true. but it's White just, collar or blue collar guys well, in New York. It was just funny because I saw it and then they saw it the second time. I'm like, he's, that guy is definitely wearing the exact same outfit as him. I'm like, was he like an extra for him? The running scenes with Billy Crystal are super awkward. You know, and like no shade to Billy Crystal. We love the man. But like you know, he's an awkward runner. He's a comedian. He, he's yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. We don't judge you, Billy. Anyway, so <laughs> after he awkwardly flails to the location where the party is, he comes in, and she's about to leave, and she sees him, and the you know they meet up, and he's like, "Here's the thing. Uh, I love you, and you love me. So like, let's be together. Let's stop fucking around." And she's like, "No, stop fucking around with me." Just because you're lonely on New Year's Eve doesn't mean that you can just have me now and that's it. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. And this is, like I said earlier, uh, this and the Cat's Deli scene are the two most iconic scenes in the movie. Because now we get, you know, Billy Crystal trying to appeal himself to meg ryan and list all of the crazy reasons why he loves her i love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. i love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich i love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like i'm nuts i love that after i spend a day with you i can still smell your perfume on my clothes and i love that you are the last person i want to talk to before i go to sleep at night and it's not because he's lonely. I just I just want the rest of my life to start as soon as possible. I love that you're cold in 70 degrees. Me, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I love that it takes you three hours to order a sandwich. Not me. No. But, I mean, give me ten sandwiches in that three hours and I'll hork them down, girl. <laughs> I like lo- a champ. I love that crinkle you get when I'm saying something crazy. Me. With you. That's true. I often look at you like you're a psychotic. I probably am. That's probably, probably, yes. yes. Yeah, I'm probably undiagnosed psychotic somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Let's look at that DSM-5. What's your <laughs> diagnosis there? And then, of course, she breaks down and goes, "It you make it impossible to hate you. God damn it, Harry. And I love this scene because she's like, you see, Harry, you say things like that and then I can't hate you. And then you cut to Billy Crystal and he's got this like, cute little smirk on his face like yeah i got her yeah billy i fucking got her billy's got a great smirk like there are actors in hollywood that have just this the perfect fucking smirk yeah him harrison's got a great one sure 
I think the closest one now is Cooper. Bradley Cooper? I think he's got a good smirk. I think Ryan Gosling's got a good one. Yeah, he's got a good one, too. Like, th- I feel like it's only a couple of them have that, that perfect... That just, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. You gotta have, like, the perfect marriage of charm and humor and hotness. Like, Billy Crystal does have hotness in his own weird way. I mean, I'm saying that me married to the funny guy but you know me like you know what i mean that's true you you know me you know where i'm at so we finally get them together they kiss right after midnight and it's a beautiful moment and then immediately after the kiss is broken billy crystal decides he's gonna go into a fucking like stand-up comedy bit about old lang syne and what the fuck is the meaning of that song and it's like dude well, <laughs> what that, the fuck is this well that's the thing that like, goes right into a bit well that's the thing though about harry is again harry is very much what com- like i'm very much like harry yeah. Where it comes to my mind. Yeah. And I need to, like, say it or f- do something about it. Right. Or else, like, it will bother me. And I'm like Sally in that I'm neurotic and I. Well, I don't eat salad. She eats a lot of salad in this movie because Meg Ryan is the size of a toothpick. But, yeah, no, I don't do that. But, yeah, neuroticism is a thing. Anxiety for sure. That's a thing I got. You know us women and our anxieties. <laughs> but anyway, so they're together and then the movie ends right before the end credits on, like I said before, Billy and Meg Ryan talking about how they met for this little documentary thing that was the framing device throughout the whole movie. And they're talking about their wedding and how they got married three months after that New Year's party and they've been together ever since and it's so cute. And they had coconut cake with chocolate on the side because, you know, some right. people don't want chocolate on sure, their cake. Sure, it gets the cake all soggy and gross. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. They're so cute together. That's the thing. I feel like they're both very flawed human beings but also incredibly charming and sweet and funny so it just works. It just clicks perfectly. Again, this is one thing this is why this is now very highly rated amongst rom-coms that I love because both characters are very flawed. Again, like Notting Hill, both characters are very flawed. And sure. Flawed characters make better movies. So these two overcoming their flaws that come together works so well. <laughs> yeah. And just like they're flirting throughout the movie and like their connection specifically it feels very baked in. It feels like they really are friends and they just like fuck around and like do silly shit together. Oh, they're totally moving into Harry's apartment, right? I would hope so. I mean, not that Meg Ryan's is bad or anything, but Harry's definitely looks nicer. He's got a view of the city. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Meg Ryan in this movie looks like she lives in like an old lady's apartment that she died in. And then gave it to Meg Ryan. It's just like doilies and like 90s fucking fabrics everywhere. And But yeah, that was when Harry met Sally. I'm super happy that we watched this movie because it was just so fun. And after getting assaulted by Jack Frost last week, I feel like this was a much deserved kind of reprieve. It was. Just an easy breezy, beautiful Christmas romantic comedy. Yeah, it- and considering a lot of the Christmas movies that come out today 
are rom-coms or attempts at such, it's nice to know that this exists. Well, yeah. It's funny because, like, this is so good. Yes. It really is. Unlike many modern Christmas rom-com attempts. <laughs> like like many other rom-coms. In general, yeah. In general, because I think... Of today, anyway. Because I think it's so difficult to get two people together and be like, oh, this is different than what we've seen before. But this generally does feel kind of different than anything we've seen. Like, Yeah. This, again, this Notting Hill, there's a reason these still are watched. True. There's a reason if you're having a bad day, you can throw on one of these movies and be like, my day's better because it's fun. Like, you don't hear that about movies like Holiday or Lovebirds or yeah. Last Christmas. Yeah. Like, you don't feel like that now. Like, you don't... like. I just mentioned three rom-coms that came out probably in the last four do, years. Do you guys, can you name them all? Do you know what they all are? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's fine. No one's judging you because no one cares about them. But I will say that, like, this isn't a movie that you need to look too deeply into. I would just say, like, hopefully, if you're listening to this... And you haven't seen the movie before, then obviously just watch it just, you know, out of curiosity. But even if you've seen the movie before, hopefully this review can just kind of be a reminder to you of like, oh, yeah, that's I remember that being a good movie. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it. And like like Scott was saying, like after a long day, just kind of like cuddle up in bed and like just chill and unwind. This is a good unwinding movie. It's a great unwinding movie. But I, I do want to say, I think it is deeper than you give it credit for, too, because it does have a lot to say about, like... Just relationships. Relationships, but yeah. not only that, depression. Sure. Like, there's a whole, like... But like, like, just coping mechanisms and stuff like uh, that, and friendship. Can men and women really be friends? Hmm? Hmm? Can Ross and Rachel really be friends? No, they're on a break. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Anyway, I don't really watch Friends, so I don't know if that joke landed. But um, I'm sure it did. I, I giggled. So, Scott, what did you rate when Harry met Sally? I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. And the only reason I knocked it down to half a star is because some points the talking heads got a little annoying. Yeah, I'll say that's fair. I think the movie could still work just fine without the talking heads. I understand their purpose. To, you know, kind of show the passage of time and break that up so we know without just having constant, like, subtext on the, you know, five years later, four years later. So I get it. But I do think it's mostly unnecessary. I also gave it a four and a half out of five stars. Before we rewatched it, uh, I had it in my letterboxed account as a four out of five. Because I just hadn't seen it in a long time. But after rewatching, I was like, damn, that's even better than I remember it being. I'm bumping it up. So I gave it a four and a half as well. Absolutely worth a rewatch if you've seen it before. Absolutely, absolutely worth a watch if you've never seen it before. Even if you're not a rom-com kind of person. Like, this is a great rom-com type of movie. Chick flick, quote unquote, type of movie to watch with 
a, a guy or gal that's not really into chick flicks because it's still really funny and it's not just straight up like a shot of estrogen in your ass like you can get something out of this no matter where you fall on the chick flick spectrum yes it is great it is honestly arguably one of the best movies we've i think watched on this show mm-hmm. uh, yeah sure 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 now Next week, we are going to have our final episode of season four, Shoot the Flick. I'm excited because it's going to be our Christmas special. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be another one of the greats, in my opinion. I wouldn't say it's a straight up Christmas movie. It's definitely a heartwarming film that one can watch around this time of year and get you know, good feels out of it. Well, it does have one of the greatest villains in all of movie history. Mm, okay, we can discuss that uh, when we get there. But, <laughs> okay. But I, I will say that it's definitely a, a heartwarming film to watch around Christmas time, or fun, I should say at least, movie to watch around Christmas time. But also, we chose this one because of a certain new release. It's going to be coming out around the same time. And um, yeah, we just figured, you know, we should watch the OG of this particular new release to get the probably unavoidable bad taste of the new release out of our mouths. Because it doesn't look like it's going to be good. It won't be. (laughs) So maybe you can figure out what it is based on that little mystery uh, build up there. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for the finale of season four. Four, four, four. And it will be quite the sweet... And delicious movie adventure. Oh, so that's how Harry met Sally. Okay. I get it. I'll have what she's having. Baby, it's cold outside. I got to go. Baby, it's cold.